0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Have you ever noticed how that pretty much every story that you have in your life or have heard about somebody else of any significant uh, things going on in their lives that there's other people that are always connected to it, friends or acquaintances. I mean, most of the stories that we have about things that we have done, things that we enjoy in life, uh, things that are significant to our lives, include another person. They include somebody else. That, That person may have participated with us. They may have inspired us. They may have been our example to follow. They may have trained us. They may have helped us. They may have led us in some way. And I would bet that most of your significant stories include a friend who either participated or they influenced you in some way. In fact, you may not have done what you did except for the influence of somebody else in your life. I would also guess that most of the major decisions that you have ever made in your life have happened in the context of someone else being involved with you as well. People influence people. That's the way the world works. That's that's the way life works. In fact, the scriptures encourage us about the fact that people influence people, and the scriptures also warn us that people influence people, don't they? When the scripture says, bad company corrupts good morals. Well, that's actually not the whole story. The whole scripture goes like this. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then it goes on to talk about being sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning, etc. But don't be deceived. Why? Because we can tend to think, you know what? I'm in control. I'm in charge. It doesn't really matter who's in my world. It doesn't matter you know, what my closest friends and associates are like you know, because I'm leading my own life. And the scripture says, don't be deceived about the fact that there can be influence that happens there. There are plenty of stories in the world where people will talk about being around the wrong group of people. Lots of stories where where people will say, well, I, I had these friends. They were not a good influence in my life. And then they'll talk about how they influenced their choices and emboldened them to do something they might otherwise have not done. There are people with regrets in life that come with a story, not just about what they did, but about who was with them that inspired them, maybe even participated with them. Well, then there's the other side of that, and that is the fact that our friends do influence us and that every story of life change has a friend in it, positive stories, great stories, that people have of life change, has a friend involved. Maybe you're one of those who went through a time where you changed careers in life, pretty big decision. And I would guess that there was somebody there, an acquaintance, a friend, there was some connection of somebody who helped you through that process or maybe inspired you to make the change. Maybe there was something in your life that you needed to stop doing, some habit that needed to end. And there was a friend alongside of you who helped you through that. Maybe there was something that you started in life, a a hobby or a sport or some activity, and, and there was someone else who was either a part of that decision, who maybe you partnered with or just inspired you, and then you started off on your own. But what is common, and I would say almost predictable at this point to nearly 100%, is whenever I hear the testimony of salvation from somebody, whenever we have a baptism service and we'll, we'll show somebody's story and they'll share about coming to Christ, almost 100% of them have this line inside of their story that goes like this My friend brought me to church. We just hear that over and over and over again. My friend brought me to church. Probably one of the most common statements in their story. By the way, we don't coach them to say that. We don't like, hey, we need you to kind of upsell the church here. I know you're gonna present Jesus, but you know, put in a, no, we don't do any of that. We just interview, we just ask some questions and let people talk. But this comes out of their heart all the time. All the time, my friend brought me to church. Even if part of your salvation story was leaving faith before you came to faith, you know, there's probably a circle of people involved with that as well. People influence people. That's just the way life works. I know that my personal story involves other people. Uh, When I really got serious about Jesus as a university student, there were friends of mine who had already become born again Christians and who were influencing me, who were encouraging me, who were talking about the importance of making a commitment to Christ and being a Christ follower and all of that. And, and, and so there was an influence there. But eventually I went to a church service where a stranger, somebody I'd never met before, ended up talking to me after the service and challenging me to not just believe in Jesus as the Savior, but to commit to him as the Lord of my life. That is, follow him as the leader of your life. Don't just believe from a distance. Get up close and start following Jesus and all that he has for you. Listen, I was the stranger that that person was speaking to. I wasn't his friend. I wasn't known by that person. I was the stranger that he shared God's love with, and it made all the difference in my life. Everybody has a story, and God's plan is to get your name in their story. God wants to get your name to be part of somebody else's story about Jesus. First John chapter 35, we're going to read a chunk of the Bible, not the whole thing, although it will feel like that eventually, uh, but we want to read a passage that reflects exactly what I just said, God getting your name to be part of somebody else's story. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. He said, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we've found the Messiah, which translates means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you're gonna be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth, Joseph of Nazareth, rather. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, uh, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now there's a, a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. John is part of the story of how his two followers end up following Jesus. Andrew is part of the story of how Peter ends up following Jesus. Jesus invites Philip to follow him, but then Philip is now part of the story of how Nathaniel starts to follow Jesus. God wants to use you and put your name in somebody else's story. Come on. What if John had never spoken about Jesus? What if John had just been kind of shy as Jesus passed by and didn't speak up and say anything? What if Andrew never went and brought Peter? Maybe he was afraid, well, I could invite Peter, but you know, I know what Peter's like a little bit. And maybe Peter will say, no, I don't want to go through that rejection. Let me give you a tip. Never say somebody else's no for them. You and I make invitation, we don't make decision. They make decision, we make invitation. What, what if Philip didn't invite Nathaniel? Maybe he got distracted, maybe he got busy, didn't make eternal things a priority in his world. You know, you can over spiritualize this and you can say, well, God would have found another way. But, but you are meant to be part of somebody's story. You are the Andrew in a Peter's world. You are the Philip in a Nathaniel's world. You are meant to be part of the story that somebody has about discovering Jesus. Connections naturally happen through our common interests. Connections, our relationships get built around what we have in common. You know, even as a child, you go to school, uh, you have that in common. You're in the same class. You're with those people five days a week. It's natural to build friendships, relationships. It's easy. It's just part of what happens. You know, being there, you eventually are now in the work world. Uh, and at your job, you all have in common the fact that you're all working together on projects or whatever that job may be. This Just the fact that you're in that same same company uh, brings you into associations and you're meeting people, and you're, you build friendships, uh, workmates, if you will, just because you're there. Pretty much every job, you're going to build uh, relationships, unless, of course, you're a mortician. But anyway, moving along, um, even being in church, you know, is another place where we get active with, you know, groups or teams or all, all these different things. And it's like what we have in common helps us connect and uh, build connections. It's very easy for that to happen. But there's another way to explain this as well that can be very intentional where it's about not just building connections, but, but building connections with the intention of ministry opportunity. First Corinthians chapter nine and verse 19. This is the apostle Paul speaking. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I'm with Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ, and when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Then he says this, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. The Message Bible takes that last portion, words a little bit differently, but I think it's worth reading. Uh, And it says this, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. He says, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't want, just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Here he talks about having common ground. That is, things that we are both have in common. It talks about, I entered their world. What is is that all about? Well, when the Bible uses that phrase world, it's talking about culture. It's talking about activity. And so, You and I have a world. We have our family life, that's part of our world. That's the world we live in. Our community, our neighborhood, that's part of our world is is that. Where we work, that's, that's our world. What's going on in your world? Well, here's what's happening at work. That's part of your world. But then aside from that, you have other interests. You have other things that you do. You have other hobbies. You have other activities. You have other routines in life that you enjoy. And they're part of your world. And Paul is saying, I recognize this in people, that people have a world they live in, and I'm trying to connect with them by getting into their world. My son, Daniel, uh, hooked me up with a deal. He said, Dad, you, you've got to buy this dirt bike. You know, you'll, you'll enjoy this. You can do things you can't do on a, on a street bike. You've got to buy this dirt. So I obeyed. He twisted my arm. Somebody said, motorbikes are like chips. You can't just have one. But at any rate, moving on. So I got into this, this dirt bike scene. And, and this summer, I planned to do, this past summer, I planned to do a ride um, west of Drayton Valley to Cataman. It's a dirt road that becomes more like a dirt path and a quad trail and motorbikes, scenic, challenging at the same time. But I didn't want to just do it alone. And so I actually put it out on a Facebook group that I'm a part of called Adventure Adventure Riders. I put it out on this group and I said, hey, I'm gonna do this ride. You can meet me at a Tim Hortons at this time in the morning and you can come. Anyway, to make a long story long, I had three guys that messaged back and sure enough met up with me that day. Three complete strangers. I would never met them before, they never met me, and it was kind of funny because they assumed that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. Not a clue. I barely knew the route, let alone, you know, how to ride in these conditions and all the rest and you know, one guy's like, "You know, I'm kind of new to this. Would it would be okay if I came along." I'm like, "Yeah, I guess so," you know, and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm like, Man, I, you know, I, I'm green as a salad in this stuff, you know. And, and uh, you know, the wonderful thing about them assuming that I knew what I was doing is that they let me drive first so all the dust that's being kicked up, I'm not having any of that. They're all getting it. I get to go for any rate. It was a great time. At the end of the day, they all just said, you know what, this was like the best riding day. Like this took like hours, right? We're like eating, eating our lunch at three in the afternoon. At the end of the day, they're like, this was the best riding day we've had our entire summer. And these guys were so grateful to put this together. But I wanna say this, God wants to use your interests to connect you with people of similar interest. He wants to use that in you. It's not like, oh, I better go figure something out. No, no, you already have it. But he wants to use it and work through it to connect you with people of similar interests. Your interests make you interesting to others who have the same interests because you are interested in what interests them. Let me say that again in case you were trying to write it all down. Your interests make you interesting to others who have the same interests because you're interested in what interests them. That's your common ground. That's how you enter into somebody else's world. Now, there's two lessons that I wanna give you off of this uh, experience that I had. And they're this. The first one is this. Stay on common ground to build friendship. Stay on common ground to build friendship friendship and relationship. You know, when we got together at lunch at the end of the day, and and of course we had breaks during the time, chatted a bit and all this, I didn't ask their opinion about, you know, our government. I I didn't ask what they thought about abortion. I didn't ask about mask mandates or anything like that. I I didn't even ask if they went to church. Our conversations were all about the common interests that we were enjoying together our bikes, uh, the riding, the conditions we're riding in, a favorite part of the trip, those sorts of things. One guy was into beekeeping, and so we learned a little bit about that. Another guy was into camping with horses, doing horseback rides and these things, and and we just stayed on our common interests. Listen, you don't love the stranger by being an issue-oriented person. You connect with what you have in common, not with your differences influence happens in the context of friendship not argument yeah, right. not argument second timothy 2:24 says a servant of the lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone a good teacher and patient another translation simply says the servant of the lord must not argue must not argue listen when was the last time you heard about from somebody's story that they came to jesus because of an argument yeah, never. I've never heard a testimony given at a baptism service. Yeah, I got into this argument with my friend and I decided, yes, you're right. And I gave my life to you. <laughs> no, that's not what happens. Do you know what happens in an argument? They both dig their heels in and become more adversarial. More, so you, you don't go there. That's not how, influence happens in the context of friendship. And friendship gets built on common ground. They did, however, find out that I was a Christian because somebody asked me what I did for a living. It's really hard to hide your faith when you're a pastor and somebody says, what do you do for a living, right? But it also feels a little bit like walking into a Starbucks and shouting out, hey, I'm a Mormon, because Mormons don't drink coffee. Anyway, so that's, anyway. I will say this about that, though. Whatever their concept was about a pastor, I think I just broke it. Now, here's the second thing that I learned. People are so blessed when they're included. Over and over, I, I mean, not solicited by me or anything like that, but over and over, these guys were so thankful that I had put out that invitation. I mean, a day of adventure riding ending with a meal at a steakhouse Kind of sounds like heaven. At any rate, <laughs> moving right along, I'm hopeful. Um, whenever and wherever you can include others, that's what hospitality is all about. The fact that someone reaches out with invitation touches their soul. And maybe you've had the opportunity to actually be the stranger. Maybe you've been that new person at the job. You don't know anybody. Nobody knows you. Maybe you've been that new person in the neighborhood. You just moved into the neighborhood. You don't know anybody. They don't know you. Maybe you've been that new person even to a church. You know what that's like. But you get invited for coffee or lunch, and you get included. You, You feel welcomed. You feel like now you're a part. One of the most fundamental and common grounds that we have with people quite frankly is food it's as simple as that eating is your common ground many times with people everybody likes to eat i don't know if you've noticed that but everybody likes to eat men like to eat Women like to eat, tall people like to eat, short people like to eat, every nationality, they all like to eat. The gospel of Luke is full of stories about Jesus eating because he understood, here's my common ground. In Luke chapter five, Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi. In Luke chapter seven, Jesus is anointed in the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus feeds the 5,000. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus eats in the home of Martha and Mary. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus condemns the Pharisees and teachers of the law at a meal. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor to their meals rather than their friends. Basically what he's saying is, don't just invite people who will invite you back, invite people who will not be able to invite you back. Luke 19, Jesus invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus. In Luke 22, we have the account of what? The Last Supper. Luke 24, the risen Christ, has a meal with two disciples in, in Emmaus and later eats fish with the disciples in Jerusalem. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus is either going to a meal, eating a meal or coming from a meal. And, for, and this of course was what ticked off the religious people. This is what caused them to criticize them because eating a meal with someone was a way of extending friendship. Luke 7:34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What was Jesus' approach to connections and friendship? Eating together. Here's my, my last thought for the day. Live a generous life. Live a generous life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. This is from the Message Bible, kind of obviously, but anyway, (laughs) moving on. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think that I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop, On the light stand, shine. Then he says this, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God. How do you do that? Keep an open house. Live a generous life. I don't know if you've given it much thought before, or if you've, but if you've had the experience before of, of being invited to somebody else's home, th- there's just something that is significant and something that is unique and special about that. Yeah. It is a level of connection that you don't quite get anywhere else in life. Yeah. You are the guest. You are waited on. You are catered to. Your comfort is their priority. You are welcomed. And it's a way of extending friendship and welcome that is so meaningful to others. It is a way of of which that we can be generous with our lives. It's about taking the relationship to a place of actually greater connection and greater trust and greater uh, comfort with each other, if you will, um, you know, you might be in the same house and you're kind of like, well, it's the same old house, but, you know, same old coffee, same old meal, no big deal, whatever. But listen, to the guest, it's special. They are hosted. They are served. They are treated special and it's meaningful to them. And, and here's, here's what I want you to catch. And that is this. Your home says, we are friends. That's what your home says. And here's why. Because friends and family are the only ones who get to go there. They're the only ones that can come in. We have neighbors um, in in our neighborhood, in our subdivision that we've known for many, many years, probably over like 25 years that we've known them. And... um, We've had them over to our home, we've went to their home, we've we've done things that we have in common from time to time. And throughout that friendship, there have been, you know, moments of opportunity to talk about Jesus. Uh, We've certainly invited them out to church and they've come and come to special events over the years. We also talked about our life. We don't like get together and pretend to be something that we're not, you know, like let's pretend to be perfect because that always leads people to Jesus. No, we don't get together to complain either, but we're authentic, we're real people, we have the same challenges as everybody else, and it's not about being perfect, but it is about integrity and honesty. But like the Message Bible says, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. Several years ago, I invited Bill to to take in Alpha here at the church with me, and he did. And I I can't say that he came to faith and got water baptized, you know, at the end of it, but what I did see happen and, and what was significant in that moment in taking in that experience was this, a dismantling of his preconceived and unbiblical DIY ideas about what it meant to have a relationship with the Lord. Sometimes you have to get people unsaved to get them saved. I'll say it that way. 1 Corinthians 3 6 says this I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. We are co workers in God's service. We, we are co workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Listen, my wife and I, we got to water. We got to sow some seed. We got to be a part of the story of his journey, but we weren't the only ones. Bill passed away less than a year ago, but he also had a Christian friend who was connected with him and who was talking to him actually about Jesus and salvation the same day that his life ended. I believe he did make a profession of faith. But here's what I want you to know, and that is this that any input and any influence that we had in his life actually did not start at church, it started in our home. It started in our home. Like the scripture says, by opening up your home, opening up your heart. You can prompt others to open up, you know, by being that generous person, generous in your life. We are encouraging people right now about inviting to Alpha, also inviting to uh, Christmas in Edmonton, those opportunities. But I I just want to give you kind of a little bit of a practical, how can we respond to this message? You know, what should we do um, from here type thing? First thing I want to bring your attention to is we gave everybody a card. Who are you praying for card? And I wanna encourage you to make use of this, to actually be intentional with it, to say, I need to put some names on here, or a name at least, of somebody I'm praying for. Before I invite, I wanna pray, come on. Before I reach out, I wanna pray. Before I have coffee, I wanna pray. Get the names of who you're going to be praying for. You know, have that list, have that card. Put it somewhere to remind you and to be intentional about prayer and leading your outreach to people with prayer, your personal outreach with prayer. Maybe you wanna help with our Alpha, we're putting a team together. You can text Alpha to five eight seven eight zero three three zero two two to say, hey, I wanna be part of the team. Go ahead and shoot us a text. Text the word Alpha, we'll get in touch with you. You can be a part of that team. Or even text Alpha to say, hey, I wanna make sure I'm attending it. And let's start to connect that way. But before inviting to Alpha, before inviting to Christmas in Edmonton, start with prayer. But here's the other thing. Open your home. Meet for coffee. Be generous with your life. If not your home, somewhere else. But today, if you could just answer this one question, I believe God would do something significant through it, and that is this. Who can I show hospitality to? Who can I show hospitality to? Would you stand as we pray? Father, I just pray for... Each and every one of us, I thank you, God, that, that you want to use us, that you want our name to be in somebody else's story. You want it to come up, Lord, when people talk about how they came to you, how, how they became Christians, how they decided to follow Jesus, that, that, Lord, it would be our name that gets brought up. Father, I, I thank you for those connections happening. I thank you for using us that way. Lord, I, I, I just pray for each and every one of us that we could be an Andrew in some Peter's world, that we could be a, a Philip in some Nathaniel's world. May you use us that way. We are available. Lord, I pray that we would be generous with our lives, that we would connect with people, would open up with people, would allow that opportunity, God, for you to do something in that way. Thank you for putting in our mind and in our heart those we should be praying for. Lord, we know this, you're already working towards their salvation. You're already dealing. We don't know where they're really at, people around us, but I do know this, Holy Spirit, you are at work. May we enter in to that labor that you are already doing. Father, thank you for guiding our hearts and thoughts as to who it is we should reach out to in this Christmas season to not miss a special season of opportunity in our year in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, I want to pray one more prayer because maybe, you know, as I talk about having a relationship with Jesus, I talk about knowing Jesus, I talk about not having some DIY Christianity where it's like, well, this is what I think it's about. No, no, it's about you coming to a place where you believe that Jesus is the Savior, but that you confess him as Lord of your life, that you you make a solid, clear decision that says, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. I'm not going to be at a distance and just kind of know about him. I'm not just going to attend church to learn a little bit more about what a Christian life looks like, but I want my own personal relationship with Christ. I want this Jesus to be my Jesus. I want this Savior to be my savior well you can start that today you can start that with a prayer where you respond to god where you acknowledge who christ is and your need for him and say yes to him as the lord of your life with our heads bowed i'm going to take a moment to pray right now for those who are here in the room and for those online but let me ask you for those who are in the room how many here would say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Can you just give me a wave? If that's you, it's like, I need to make this decision. I need to start my relationship with God. I need to stop keeping Jesus at a distance. I'm not gonna be a spectator of Christianity. I'm in on it. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Let's pray with those who are praying here this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me so much that you died for me. I ask you to forgive my past. And I invite you into my life, confessing you as my Savior and the Lord of my life. I'll follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.